0: You are being watched. The government has a secret system. A podcast that recounts every episode of Person of Interest. I know, because Because we we made it. it. We designed the podcast to continue our bullshit, but we see everything. Random numbers of the week. People like you. Episodes the average viewer deems irrelevant. You wouldn't watch it, so we did. But I needed partners. Someone who had never watched this before. Hunted by weirdos on the internet, we record in secret. We will never find that. But, newbie or diehard, if your episodes up, we will find you. Hello, and welcome to the library for Podcast of Interest. This is a rewatch podcast for Person of Interest, featuring two veteran operatives and one newly initiated... My name is Justin, and joining me are my two associates, my veteran operative Jude, and our new recruit Anna. Jude, Anna, I've already asked how you're go- uh, how you're doing this evening because this is our second recording of the night. And if you want to know how that is, you can listen to Bab Pod uh, episode 60, yet to be titled. So I'm gonna ask you a different question: How are your pets doing?
1: Well, Mary just bit me on the foot, so <laughs> you know the same usual feisty. Smashing. And the new puppy is actually settling in hasn't been kicked out of daycare yet. So that's good. Yeah. I was touch and go there for a little bit. He got a warning about jumping over the, uh, the like seven foot barriers that separate the dogs from the hallway out (laughs) into the entrance. Um, but I guess he's chilled out a little bit. So, and he hasn't done it in the last two visits. So I think maybe we're okay.
2: That's good. Um, I got new like couch blankets?
1: You mean the cats got new couch blankets?
2: Yes. Uh through through a combination of like the Lands' End winter sale and like a 50% off code. So, I I I got a whole bunch of blankets for like 10 bucks each. It's great. And the cats are just like new soft thing. Must touch. So they're very excited. Yeah, and the dogs here—they they
0: exist. They're cool. They exist. <laughs> they're, like they're chill. Like you know, they're, they're they're two dogs. They're chill. They they're neither neither of them are mine. So I just get to eat the, the I just get to like walk by them in the hallway and do like a little tummy rub, and then that's all I have to do with them.
2: I feel like I feel like you should tell our listeners about the the Roomba.
0: Oh my god! Okay, so um,
1: that picture is amazing.
0: This is like six months in the future, but I'll I will have this picture till the day I die. So uh, my mother lives in the middle of nowhere. Um, as part of her, I call it like not retirement, but like their their ramp up to retirement. They they have a big, I'd, I'd almost call it a farmhouse in the mountains. There are a lot of animals there. There is four chickens, a dog, and a cat. The dog is a Chihuahua mix who's named Moose. Uh, she is a very, um, yippy dog. Um, and like, you know, she's actually sweet, but she can get a little bit of a bitch. And And the, and there's also a cat, Ashley, who is our 10 year old rescue. She is extremely mellowed out. She has no patience for bullshit. Moose, however, likes to chase Ashley around the house, which Ashley will indulge for a limited amount of time. And, when Ashley is done with this, she does not do what my previous cats have done with dogs who they are sick of, which is claw them on the nose and tell them to fuck off. Um, Ashley takes the high ground by sitting on a Roomba. And this is enough of a high ground to get Moose scared. I cannot comprehend this. I mean, Moose is a stupid dog. I love her, but she's stupid. (laughs) Um, And my mom (laughs) posts this picture of the cat standing graceful. And uh, like for, for visual, uh, Ashley is a Russian blue. So there's nothing she does where she does not look infinitely fucking majestic. (laughs) So she's just sitting there looking like the most cat cat possible. Very smug. And Moose, meanwhile, is like, has like her feet nearly parallel with each other, front front legs and rear legs like nearly aligned with each other, and her head is down,
1: and it's like just thoroughly defeated. Just thoroughly defeated. This is a defeated. meme picture.
0: This is a meme picture, and I don't know what it's what meme it's you know, like imitating, but yeah,
1: it's <laughs> just so fucking ridiculous. It's a meme format without like a without a
2: meme.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
2: It's a good picture. Yeah, oh, it's so
0: good. It, it's 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 it made my day for like yeah. Um, I'm, I'm I only get to see those those animals like two or three times a year, and they're perfect. They're perfect babies. Um. Anyways, speaking of perfect babies, but we'll not get to that for another season. <laughs> Tonight we are covering episodes nine and ten of season one. A person of interest. Get Carter. and Number crunch. Uh, Anna, you have Get Carter. Take us away.
2: Yeah, so this one's written by Greg Plagman and Denise Tay, possibly. Uh, that may not be the pronunciation. Um, and Alex um, Zekruski, which also is probably not the correct pronunciation. I apologize to all of these people.
0: I think you got Tay right.
2: Fingers crossed here. So, so this week's number is a familiar face. Detective Carter is the one at risk. The question is, from whom? She is being targeted by Elias as a threat to his operation since she's continuing to build her case against him. Her active investigation has put her in the sights of gangster Hector Alvarez, who she suspects in the murder of a witness who considered testifying against Alvarez but backed out. And last but not least, Carter is taking a leaf from Reese and Finch's book and is trying to protect a woman from her abusive husband, who is now threatening Carter. Reese has to protect Carter from all of these potential attackers. After the abusive husband threatens his wife, John gets to the scene before Carter does and leaves the husband tied up and ready for arrest like any good vigilante. He also grabs his handy grenade launcher and disrupts (laughs) Alvarez's operation, grabbing the weapons Alvarez was planning to sell and driving off with his prized muscle car. He warns Carter that Alvarez is heavily armed, and the two detectives manage to track him down using information that they get from Alvarez's two girlfriends that uh, just leaves Elias, who uses his substantial resources to recruit Carter's CI to shoot her. Luckily, she listened to John's warnings and wore a bulletproof vest to the meeting, and John arrives in time to keep the CI from finishing her off. Afterward, John threatens the police captain who authorized Elias' assassination attempt, threatens to toss him off a tall building, and informs him that Carter is now off-limits. We do have flashbacks this time, which are focusing also on Carter, specifically her time in the military. Um, She's interrogating Yusuf, a delivery man who is suspected of transporting explosives for Al-Qaeda. She eventually makes a connection with the man, and he agrees to lead Carter's team to the stored explosives based on Carter's promise to protect him and his family. Unfortunately, the rest of Carter's team uh, aren't on board with that deal, and Yusuf suffers a accident on the way back. Carter is enraged, but her teammates don't care. They blow her off and remind her that she's alone and without backup out here. And that's that's the episode. It's a good one.
1: Yeah. yeah. Great background and development for Carter on this episode.
2: Yeah. And-
0: we get to see a lot of information about her, like learning that she has a son. Yeah. Her husband was also in the military and we're assuming killed in action. And I know well, just a lot about her, like that she was an army interrogator. <laughs> like yeah. Like we knew she was military, but it's... Uh, Which
1: makes a lot of sense, actually.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: I also really like that you get some really interesting angles of her. You get her... Relationship with the CI, the relationship with the son, the background as her interrogator. You, you see her working as the interrogator and it really deepens the background you have on Carter and is going to tie in real nicely with the plot elements that we get in the next episode. Mm-hmm. I think is going to help explain why she makes some of the decisions she makes in the next episode.
2: Yeah, the, the, the flashbacks with the interrogator pieces also tie up really nicely with her first encounter with Reese and the pilot mm-hmm. where, you know, we noted at that point that she is definitely a skilled interrogator yeah. and um, this ties in nicely with that. She's using the same kind of techniques of like trying to make a personal connection and, yeah. you know, to get, get information that way. Yeah, definitely. I, I love that we get so much content for her in this episode. We've got so much about like her personality like you said, you've got her son, the time in the army. Um, we've also got John appearing to like be rubbing off on her that she's trying to prevent a homicide from happening, even though everybody's just like, Yeah, eh, you're you know, why why are you in, why are you intervening here? She's not dead yet. Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, that's which the I point. mean is just super
0: shitty. Ugh. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Speaking of characterization, I really love the interaction that uh, Fusco has with his old boss. Where he's like, word came down. It's going to be like it used to be. The guy, I mean, the the whole scene is like, what forty seconds or something like that. But mm. with some very spare dialogue, he you get a very clear sense of what kind of cop he is.
0: Fosco has all the appearances of a dirty cop. It's it, 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 you know, and it, that's fantastic casting. But it's like you can tell that he's like, oh no, I'm not cool with this.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And this is another great episode for Fusco in that he like actually shows his actual skills.
1: Yeah, it turns mm-hmm. out Fusco's a decent detective. I mean, he's yeah. also like a goober. And I love the episodes later on where we get both of those in the same episode. And mm-hmm. those are some of my favorite Fusco episodes where you get the two sides of Fusco, the like jamming a hot dog in his mouth on a stakeout, but also like cracking the case all in the same episode. Yeah. but also you get in this episode you do you get to see that like he's good at this like there yeah. was a he he obviously got to be where he is legitimately or he could mm-hmm. have he didn't have to yeah. have been corrupt to to get here and he, in and as justin said like he's clearly uncomfortable with his chiefs talking about you know the way it's going it's going to go back to the way it was and how elias gets it and it's you know. oh,
2: And speaking of that chief, oh, my God, that they managed to tell us literally everything we need to know about that character in one line. Oh, yeah. The trains ran on time. Yeah. And it's like, woo. OK. Uh, Yep, you told me everything I need to know about that character. Thanks.
1: Yeah, it's real. It's a well-written episode. It's a real well-written episode.
2: Yeah one of the
0: interesting things we see in this episode is that Yusuf is marked with a red tag. Yep. And he is specifically marked with, uh, as a relevant number, uh, which I think is the first time we've seen a relevant number on the show.
2: Yeah. The, the implication that I gleaned is that Yusuf was, you know, is being interrogated because the machine said so.
0: Yeah. We, we, we're not going to see for a little while, at least how relevant numbers are dealt with. Like, in the present day but i do find interesting i like with it being 2004 this could be going through historical footage because i'm not sure i i can't this is this is one of those things where like i can't remember when the machine gets delivered to the government
1: it took a while it took longer than three years
0: yeah yeah so it could be it going through relevant like it could be it going through historical footage
1: yeah i think this was before it was online so yeah i think this is it like post Going
0: through archive data to like.
1: Yeah, like in a posteriori determining that this guy is a, uh, that's probably not the right thing. It's been a long time since I did philosophy. Bite me.
2: Um, It may have also been part of the training set.
1: Yeah, could have been. Yeah. Uh, yeah if in any case. If we're talking
2: about this as, you know, machine learning.
1: Yeah. But I think it's interesting that you point that out, that he is identified as uh, a relevant number because I didn't catch that. I wasn't paying attention to what color box was. I'm glad <laughs> that you guys pay attention to that because I definitely didn't.
0: Yeah, and the only reason I noticed it was it's a relevant, it, the relevant tag. Yeah. yeah. Which, if you see the word relevant on the screen, that's, especially yeah. the early seasons, it's like, oh, this is, this is something.
2: And it's a different red flag than, like, we'll see, we see some modern footage where Reese is fighting somebody or somebody's stalking him or something like that. And they have a, you know, red tag on them. Yeah. But it's a different style.
1: I also love the second time we see the the police boss guy when John comes out of, come, like, just hits him like a truck and is like, got the gun up against his Oh, and he just cubby. goes full
0: Batman. Yeah, and goes <laughs> yeah. full Batman
1: <laughs> on him. I think that's a thing that we see about John is he's pretty controlled a lot of the time. But one thing that he is, one area where his control is not great is when, he has a very short list of people that he he thinks are worth protecting or are like per- close that he considers like personal connections. Uh, and if they're threatened, he just he loses his fucking mind. Yeah. And you get that sense with Finch and you get that sense now apparently with Carter that Carter's on that list, too. We'll see. I don't know that Fusco would be on that list, but <laughs> maybe. he's
2: a very Batman in this episode, just in general. Yeah, like the, <laughs> the, the- fucking
1: grenade launcher.
2: And, and just like gift wrapping the, uh, abusive husband. I have,
1: I have an, I have a weird note about that grenade launcher scene. So he grenade launchers in to the, Mm -hmm. to the garage and he very clearly shoots all of them in the chest, very clearly shoots all of them in the chest. The gun is held high, and it's not like a pistol. He's got like it's like an M sixteen. I
0: mean, no, no, it's not. It's it's a it's a UMP. It's it's firing pistol ammunition.
1: Well, fine.
0: I mean, it, it's like <laughs> we're seeing like shoulder shot. I think we see shoulder shots
1: for most of us. Okay, fine. That's but not my it's point. Like, my point is yeah, no. he shoots them above the waist with this yes. with this weapon uh, and drops all of them. But as he's leaving, he shuts the car door, and there is one guy on the ground who has magically the bullet has migrated to his knee because there is a <laughs> bullet hole. There is a clear bullet hole in his pants and he is clutching his knee rolling around on the ground.
0: That's, well, listen, uh, I have, uh, I have an explanation for this. Um, Reese is, uh, is muted and his power is to make bullets travel to the knees.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, I feel like it must be,
0: <laughs> he could just do like the wanted bullet curve. Yeah. he just uh, Every bullet he shoots
1: knees. inevitably ends up in a knee. That's just, yeah, he could just be like shooting out into the air, and the bullets are just finding random people then hitting them in the knees.
2: Yeah, makes sense. I feel like this episode confirms my theory about how John grows his arsenal, though, because he yeah. just takes <laughs> all of those guns and are just and he's just like, "These are mine now." Thanks. Also, it's a different yeah. grenade
0: launcher.
1: Yeah, this well, cause yep. the other one is for firing like riot, gri- like riot gas canisters, and this one is an explosive grenade launcher.
0: So here's the thing. Um, is that pretty much grenades are standardized. Like, or grenades that you can fire are standardized. They're all a 40 millimeter grenade. So there's actually no difference between them. It's just the grenades themselves. Interesting. So
1: he just decided to, he was, I just imagine him standing in the the G's. It's a lighter model. In the the G's in the library, like, hmm, which grenade launcher do I want to use today?
0: Yeah.
1: (laughs) God, he's such a weirdo. I love him. Such a fucking weirdo.
2: I, I have a few more things. So Wait, sure. I want to point out how, like, so we, we've given Fusco some love in this one for, like, yeah. being good at his job. He's a terrible liar, though.
0: Oh, like, he is. I love every that. time
2: he lies, <laughs> he touches his tie.
0: Yeah, I love that for him. Like, it's just he's a bad liar. He's at an obvious tell. Uh, it's, it's it's so great. funny that he lasted as long as he does his dirty cop.
1: Not only is he a bad liar, but like when he gets a call from John, he does like the exact same thing where he like picks up the phone and like cradles it in his hand, like he <laughs> like he caught like a rat and he's trying to keep it from getting away, and then like slinks off. And he's like, "Uh, it's my ex," and he goes to answer it. Like,
2: it's like no wonder Carter is ner- is immediately like, on the suspicious him. of you.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. God, I love Fusco, but yeah, he's how how he managed to to stay like i mean he i think the obvious answer is he wasn't really on the down low as a as a corrupt yeah. cop he was just a corrupt cop and it was like obvious that that was the case yeah i don't think anybody would have bought that he wasn't if he was.
2: I also wanted to talk about the the two girlfriends thing, because that's just one of my <laughs> favorite tropes of, like, we, we need to get information from one or both of these women, so we're going to put them in contact with, with each other and make them realize that they exist, and for at first they fight, and then they like team up against the the man who wronged them. And yeah. it's such a specific trope, but I really enjoy it. And this is a this was a really good example of it. I feel like,
1: yeah, yeah, it's it's well executed, and I like that they immediately turn on him. There's zero loyalty. Yeah, yeah, yeah I like that.
0: I like that we learn the three things that Finch collects, which are oh, vintage yeah. books, vinyl. And a Xerox and a Xerox Alto, which is hyper specific. Love that for him, though.
2: <laughs> Do we want to talk about what a Xerox Alto is? Yeah,
0: yeah. It's like the it was the first computer available for like purchase that had a graphic user interface made by the company Xerox, obviously. Um, but yeah, it is. Um, in 1979, it retailed for thirty-two thousand dollars. Which is more expensive than every car I've purchased in the twenty first century, <laughs> put together. <laughs> yeah, today's money it's a hundred. It would it equivalent to today's money would be one hundred fourteen thousand dollars, which Damn. is uh, yeah. It had a six oh six by eight oh eight resolution.
2: Why? That's actually not bad for that era, for or pixels. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Like that's that's not bad, honestly. Yeah. You could you could get a lot done on that thing. Yeah. Oh yeah, I just I just really want fan art of Finch hugging the Xerox Alto. I just I want this in my life. <laughs>
0: uh, okay, I looked at this. I, I like I'm looking at it, and the mouse has three buttons. I love this. It's a pretty impressive piece.
1: Yeah, yeah, that yeah. cool.
0: There's a funny scene in like in the opening thing at the bodega, where Fosco says, "My friends call me Lionel." What's your first name? Carter says, "Detective." Yes. <laughs> and then at the end of the episode, when uh John and Carter meet face to face for the first time after he saves her life, he calls her Joss. Which just oh my yeah. gosh, the feels. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So good. That's all I've got for this episode. Um Same. I didn't look up who the police captain is because I know he shows up in a later
1: episode and we'll do it then. Yeah. All right. Well then uh let's do number crunch. Season one Episode 10, Number Crunch, was written by Patrick Harbinson, and this episode was directed by Jeffrey Hunt. Our number of the week is actually four numbers, uh, four seemingly unconnected individuals, a lecturer at NYU, a hairdresser, a waiter, and an unemployed woman. As Reese begins to track them down, starting with the lecturer, he discovers a pattern of recent high-end purchases and dramatic deaths, eventually Reese and Finch discover that all four of them were in the same place at the same time for a few minutes, the site of a car accident involving the son of a congressman and a lot of cocaine and money. Turns out he was ripping off a charity he ran, and to cover it up, the, co- the congressman has hired a hitman. Reese manages to clean the situation up, but in doing so, exposes himself to a danger from his past. The danger is our plot uh, from the past, taking the form of CIA agent Snow who bails Carter out of trouble after being benched following her her CIA being shot by Reese. He's hunting for Reese and wants her help. She somewhat cautiously agrees, and they confront him as he's trying to save the last of this week's numbers, only for her to be shocked when a sniper, Snow's partner, shoots Reese. Carter, furious at being used, saves Reese and helps him and Finch escape. I'd just like to say that in contrast to my B5 summaries, I'm getting pretty good at these concise person of interest summaries.
2: Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: This is actually not my favorite episode of season one, mostly because I feel, I don't know. I'm not sure why I love like all the stuff with snow and like the, like
2: the the numbers are pretty like nondescript.
1: Yeah. I don't love the number, the number plot, but I like everything else about it.
2: I I think the, the, the number plot is a
0: fun one. Uh, just for me, like it's a fun one just because of the, play on the formula i don't think it's like particularly interesting but i like the i like especially like the the fact that it's not about investigation really at least from the get-go it's about like it's a it's a protection job
1: yeah and i do yeah. like though that it it does mean that they have to get like everybody involved where john's just like i am there are four of them and one of me and the clock is ticking we need all hands on this so
2: and, and it's the first one that they isn't it the first one that they like legitimately fuck up I
1: wouldn't call it a fuck up
2: that some combination of the machine didn't give it in some combination of the machine. Didn't give them the information in time and they can't get to everybody, but yeah, they don't save two, two of the numbers.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean,
2: you could theoretically
0: say the, that Elias is maybe one of them, but yeah, yeah, that's an, that is entirely up to interpretation. And the the machine does not give out grades.
1: Yeah, it's true. I like the scene where Finch is, almost blown up uh his obvious reaction to that and that whole scene is very weighted and i like that
2: yeah that that's a really good scene and i feel like that scene also highlights the like difference in skill sets between Mm. finch and reese for sure because finch is watching this and be like oh there's a there's a baby stroller by the car wait and take it he eventually figures out that something is wrong with this yeah but, like, by that point, like, Reese has been, like, yelling at him to get down for, yeah. like, a while.
1: Yeah. I really like Snarky Finch at the beginning of this episode. I can sense my <laughs>
2: privacy
0: being invaded.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh, yeah. Also, uh, th- the thing that, like, both bothers me and, like, is hilarious is the scrolling code on God. Finch's workstation. Because I don't know about you, Jude, but I definitely set up all of my IDEs to perpetually scroll when idle. It, I just enjoy this, the fun challenge when I come back to the computer and have to find where the hell I was Right. in, you know, 10,000 lines.
1: Ugh. Yeah, <laughs> this show gets a lot right about computer jargon and computer stuff, but it does like to have a fancy-looking screen. It does fall prey to that.
2: Oh, yeah. And it's just like, why is it scrolling?
1: Yeah. Oh, uh, with regards to sort of the the plot plot, Snow is the most hilarious pseudonym. Justin helpfully points out that it's not his real name. No shit.
0: I I, I don't think we have confirmation for that, but it can't be his real name.
1: No, I mean, mean, like, no shit, it's not his real name. But I just think it's funny that, like, this absolute, like, dirtbag- Pile of dog shit character is uses the last name Snow when he's like, "Look, my backyard. It snowed a lot this year in my backyard, and the only snow that remotely seemed a- unaccurate accurate for this guy was the snow at the very end, right before it finished melting, that my dogs kept shitting in. Like that snow, maybe, <laughs> but that would be more like dog shit than snow. This guy is like, he's one of those characters, one of those actors that has." the face that says I'm a piece of shit. I feel bad for him. Cause like, he's never going to be the leading man in a rom-com. He's, he's always going to be like the shitty guy that the woman's engaged to that, it, that has to, she has to be like broken up. She has to break up with before she gets together with the main, the, the main character or he
0: has huge tax collector energy.
1: Yes.
2: I feel like part of that is not just his face, but it's the costuming too. Like the the kind yeah. of like, you, you know, could, nondescript tailored suit that they put him in.
1: You could put him in a Bermuda shorts and a Hawaiian shirt, and he would still look like a guy that would love to audit you or shoot you or <laughs> take you to court for something petty. He just has, I feel bad because I, I I don't know, maybe he's probably a perfectly nice person, but he just has that energy.
0: The actor we're talking about is Michael Kelly, um, who has been like in the last 10 years, he's basically done like a bunch of this sort of roles. Um, he was in the the Tom Clance, the, the Jack Ryan show. As a
1: villain, I'm sure. Or uh, a... uh,
0: he was a, like a lead on um, House of Cards.
1: That said, the completely inappropriate pseudonym notwithstanding, I actually really love Snow's character. I think he's a great foil for both hmm. Carter and Reese. Yeah. And I think it's buck wild that Carter doesn't see this coming. The The moment at the end where she just appears to save Reese. And she's like standing there with her gun out and, and decides like, I guess I am going to help you. Is the so good. The
0: scene re- where she sees Fidge and it all immediately clicks into her. and She's just like, fuck, I guess I'm doing this.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
2: Uh yeah, and it it ties in nicely with all the character development we got for her last episode. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. N- being alone where she does, she's been told repeatedly like you know, you're all out there all alone and her son's, you know, who's got your back like this repeated mo- you know, refrain of like she's out there doing the hard work but she's alone, she doesn't have backup and who saves her life from the CI? John shows up. And who's, you know, she's repeatedly seen the good work that they're doing, and now he's been backing her up and she makes the decision that like these are the these are these are the people that are doing the work she wants to be doing, not necessarily the police department. Yeah. One of my
0: favorite like little bits of this episode is John getting hijacked into a haircut. <laughs> oh yes. It's it's so funny just because he's like mortified. <laughs>
2: It's great. Uh and like the the number is flirting with him and he's just like question mark, question mark, question yeah, mark.
0: Like, I don't know how to deal with this. Also, uh Thomas Paine might be Harold's worst alias. <laughs> yes like it's cringy on purpose,
2: but <laughs> I really enjoy him as that alias though. The the like he, he plays it really well, you know, speaking of you how finch and reese have different skill sets like finch is so good at like being being the sophie (laughs) that you know putting putting on the face of like a specific person and just like going with it Mm
1: -hmm. john can't act his way out of a paper bag john is always john i'm casting my mind ahead through the seasons of this show and i'm trying to imagine every episode where they put John undercover or with a backstory and he's basically just Reese. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, he, sometimes he, he sort of pretends to be something else, but not really, not really at all. Um, Yeah. And then you have Finch who's just like today I'm a super wealthy investor. And then, a law clerk and then this, and he, he vanishes into these. They're all a, a certain kind of role, but he's very good at, at sliding into these unassuming roles where people don't expect something. They don't expect the, these unassuming roles where people aren't looking hard. Yeah. And he's able yeah. to uh, take advantage of that lack of, of real critical examination.
2: And the fact that he looks unassuming and unthreatening.
0: Yeah. Yeah, let's do this now. Um, on a headphones. So, um, the, considering Harold's injury, mm-hmm. the car bomb has to, like, that's gotta be, that's gotta suck for Harold. That's gotta be
1: super triggering. Yeah, that's gotta right? be
0: awful. Like, I it is it is basically like on a smaller scale re watching. Mm-hmm. what happened
1: yeah
0: uh and that like you know especially like somebody he wanted to protect
1: yeah it's no like it, oh
0: it's,
1: yeah no i imagine that that is intensely triggering and i think that's i think it's it, it speaks to like the protective instincts that john has going on in the relationship between the two of them that they've become very protective of each other
0: yeah and like in Harold's uh, H- Harold's reaction afterwards of like super stressed and like I should have done more I could have I could have done something How did I not see this And it's just like oh my heart breaks for him.
1: Yeah, we didn't have anything to say. We just wanted. To, we just feel like we should throw a few of these at you every episode or every other episode or so. Yeah, we
0: don't. We, there's nothing like I don't you, think
2: you guys were just talking about the X Men, weren't you? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um. Don't don't lie to me. I know you are talking about the X Men. <laughs>
0: um. Random funny Whoa. thing in this episode is that um the one of the congressman's aides calls uh Fusco f- de- Detective Fiasco.
2: Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> which is the funny. I'm like, that's
1: god. That's really good. That's really good.
2: Then we have the like bugged pen that Harold gives the congressman.
1: Mm-hmm. Why
2: does it have video?
1: Because that's Harold's. Harold's true scientific genius is not, in fact, in inventing AI. It's in his miniaturization and battery technology.
2: Yeah, because, like, that thing has to have an amazing battery. Yeah, this,
1: this is not uh, what's-his-name from Burn Notice taping uh, a cell ph- two cell phones together to, to spy on, on people. This is, like, bizarrely advanced surveillance technology. Despite the fact that he has, like, you know, he's working out of a run libra- a, a, a rundown library.
0: Yeah, I just choose. That's the one sci-fi thing in the show. <laughs> <laughs>
2: the one. The one. I have so many feelings about uh, Harold coming to John's rescue at the end of this episode, too. Because, yeah. you, know,
1: <laughs>
2: you know, they've kind of, like, got this... You know, they've got a bit of a like death wish pact going on between the two of them, right? Yeah. They're they're like, Okay, we're gonna do this, but it's gonna kill us and John's there being like, Well, it killed me, Harold. See ya. And he shows up anyway.
0: Yeah. He's like, Thanks for thanks for the opportunity and Harold's like, Nope, you're not dying. Yeah. Um, and we will see what we will see the lengths that he will go to for that, which I, I, I truly adore.
1: Yeah. I I would say that one of the things that Reese is defined by these masculine cliches, right? These like Mm -hmm. grunts and emotion and (laughs) stuff like that. But I think one of the things that they do well, one of the one of those cliches that they actually, I think, execute really nicely and actually make like a part of his characterization in a really like good way is that way that he uh, becomes so emotionally invested in those few people that he connects with going all the way back to that voiceover. Yeah. Finch is one of those people. And they're, you know, when that, when that's threatened, you get to see Reese behave in a, in a fairly erratic manner. And that makes for some fun TV sometimes. It does. Yeah. <laughs> I suspect uh, Justin and I are thinking of the same episode.
2: Uh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> uh. I I wanted to have a bit of a sidebar here with. Okay, so the the sisters are like the the the, the two numbers who are sisters are like this duffel bag full of cash is definitely going to solve all of our money problems, and I I just want to point out like. How erratically the show deals with money laundering and the the need to money launder. Well, it's it's
0: it's simple. If you're a criminal organization, you need to launder your money. If you're a good person, you don't. That's it.
2: (sighs) (laughs) (laughs) But like I guess I guess they they do have a leg up on like paying off the mortgage and everything with that cash because one of the sisters owns the beauty salon.
0: Yeah, you can you can uh, like as somebody who has to do a money laundering thing quarterly not quarterly annually um a cash a cash forward business like a uh, uh, like a salon is the best way to launder money.
2: Yeah. Isn't there
1: a yeah, whole so- TV show about using a a mu- uh, a salon to launder money?
0: Yeah, um I, I uh, claws on TNT. I I get uh, I get uh ads for whatever I watch wrestling.
2: <laughs> no comment
0: of uh, but, but so, yeah so they're
2: they're actually well situated to be able to launder that money but yeah. it's not going to solve all of their problems instantly the way that they think it will
1: and are they going to launder it or are, or are they going to walk into the their like bank and try and pay the mortgage with like 200 grand in small bills
0: <laughs> i mean they you you probably I, if you, if you like, you probably like consulted, like, what is the easiest way for us to do this? And probably it's like, okay, we're, you know, you establish a payment plan or something. I don't know. Yeah. That are you just like, I don't know. You figure out a way. I like, I'm sure that like the, that this is, this is New York City in a crime drama. If you ask a random person on the street, they will tell you how to, how to launder this money.
1: <laughs> just assume every New Yorker knows how to launder cash. I, I just assume that all
0: New Yorkers in fictional properties. No, I'm sure <laughs> real life New Yorkers are fine. Every fictional New Yorker knows how to do crime. All right. <laughs> um, that holds up. Yeah. Uh, I've got a hey, I know that face. Okay. Uh, so Wendy, uh, the redhead of the the sisters, is played by Bridget Reagan who um, I first know from the rather bad, but very fun Legend of the Seeker series. <laughs> and she's also done, like, Agent Carter, Jane the Virgin. She's done a lot of stuff, but I know her first from that.
1: I know her from uh, White Collar, where she yeah. plays the uh, main character's rebound after uh, the woman he should have ended up marrying uh, departs, ostensibly, I think, because she joined another TV show. It must have been. And she's, like, a thief character uh but yeah she's she's good she's fun she,
2: she plays she plays the one who actually manages to like bamboozle the, the bamboozler yeah.
1: yeah man that's a great show we should put that on our list
0: the other the other series uh or the uh, the other sister uh melanie diaz uh who plays uh laura i believe it's the name it's, uh paula paula it was it was an it was an A name, or a name that ended with A. She is one of the leads in the reboot of Charmed.
1: Oh, that that's where I know her from. I see the ads for that because I watched that Kung Fu show on CW. So.
2: <laughs> it's, it's a good show.
1: The, well, the, I, the butt kicking on that show is A+. plus.
2: Okay. I'll just say that Paramount keeps trying to recommend horror, like slasher horror to me because I'm watching Star Trek Discovery. Interesting. <laughs>
0: I mean, from what I from what I've been told, that like if I like Person of Interest, I will like Evil, which is the show that Michael Emerson is on after after this. But I am also a big baby who cannot handle horror.
1: I mean, I'm not into it. I don't have a problem with it. I just not into it. All right. Well, is that it for us for this episode here? Um, the only thing I want to
0: say is that John continues his like practice of like showing up mysteriously hmm. in front of the people he's trying to save and saying mildly menacing things, <laughs>
2: <laughs> yep. which he's like,
0: he like, d- he, he shows up to the sisters, disarms one of them, like does the, like the slide rack and empties the magazine and whatever. And he's like, you shouldn't buy a
1: gun if you don't know how to use it. And I'm like, sake say that you're here to help, dude. <laughs> yep. Uh, I also have a kneecap count for this episode. One, John, in a rare oh, yeah, uh, reversal of fortunes, he yeah. gets he gets kneecapped uh, by the sniper. He gets Shot in the he gets shot in the stomach, and then as he's laying on the ground, the sniper is just like as an extra "fuck you" shoots him in the upper in the 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 meat of the thigh above the knee.
2: Poor buddy. Grevy. Yep. Grevy. Well. Him getting shot does lead us to our next episode, which we'll cover next time, which is one of my absolute an all-time favorites favorite. oh, yes, from so season far. one. Love me a rear window.
1: It's so good. So all right.
0: Uh we're gonna be covering episodes eleven and twelve, super and legacy. Until next time, you are being watched. Ba-da-da-ba-da.
2: but instead on
1: (laughs) sorry it's a gut reaction to that phrase
2: (laughs) should I have called them sexual Olympics
1: (laughs) I'm going to go shoot myself (laughs) (sighs) this is going to be rough